right, we are live, Okaidi. Welcome back to my channel, Maybe Between the Pages. My name is Taylor, and today we are back with another episode of Page Chewing, and we are joined today by the brothers Gwyn, who we are so excited to have on. Unfortunately, Steve couldn't come with us or join us today, but he, you know, will be missed. But PL and I will be holding down the fort. Uh, we have finally rescheduled this. Uh, unfortunately, we had to cancel before. So for those of you who are watching on the new date, thank you for shifting with us. And uh, we're excited to chat. Uh, but before we really get into the nitty gritty, I would like to give you guys a chance to kind of introduce yourselves. Who are you? What do you do in the book space? And how did you find yourself with us today? You're good at this bit, Will. Well, it's wonderful it. to be on here. Thank you so much for inviting us on. Looking forward to talking about everything to do with books. We'll take any chance to do that, won't we? So, yeah, really looking forward to this. So we have a channel called The Brothers Gwyn, which uh, it's because we're brothers. So <laughs> that's the given. Um, and so, Surprise. yeah, we just everything to do with books. And we are Papa John Gwyn. Well, we call him Papa John Gwyn, his son. So obviously we've been into reading our entire lives, basically, and a lot of that is down to him. And so, yeah, he's giving us that reading gene that we just uh, love talking about it. Yeah, and if we if we didn't enjoy reading, we would have been kicked out. So we've had to had to enjoy it. <laughs> There were high yeah. stakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks so much for having us on. I'm sorry we had to cancel last week, but here we are. We're really looking forward mm. to it. Yeah. No, don't be sorry. Things happen. We're human. So, <laughs> so uh, well, oh, we had a comment. I wanted to put this up. Hey, Esme. Esme's here. Hi. Oh, Esme. Hey, reviewer oh, on Goodreads. She's got amazing reviews. So go check them out. Oh, my gosh. And her She's speed wonderful. is incredible. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. She's fantastic. When I... <laughs> One day I'll be a cool person yes. like Esme. Yes, we bow, we bow Esme to you. You'll want to be. <laughs> we aspire to be like you one day, Esme. Yes, right? So one thing that people will find immediately when they look at your channel is how much of a history buff both of you are, and your father as well, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. And as someone who uh, did not pay attention in history as much as I should have in school, uh, I find it really fascinating to see what you guys read and your perspectives on it with that kind of cross-section uh, between fantasy and, and historical um, outlooks on things. And as people who actually know what happened in history, how does that affect the way that you read fantasy books in a historical setting? Is it the type of thing where you'll notice a historical inaccuracy and it'll bother you? Or are there situations where that works in the favor of the story. I'm just curious how those two interests intersect in your reading life. Well, I think if we're reading historical fiction, maybe inaccuracies will irk us a little bit. But in fantasy, I think the wonderful thing about in, in fantasy is that you can be inspired by anything and then alter mm. it how you want to to yeah. fit the book. And that's why fantasy is such a broad genre and one of the reasons I love it, where you can find so much in there and so our inaccuracies don't really um they don't irk me really um but i do love kind of little historical details because i think one of the things we endeavor to find in the book is that immersive nature to it don't we and i think that when you kind of have that maybe historical realism added to the fantasy world you feel like it could be real it has dragons but it could be real if dragons were alive then yeah this could be happening and so i think that really helps kind of that um, immersion into a story and historical details i think go a long way to really kind of aid that 
Yeah, I agree with you, Will. I think that immersion is the most important thing for me when I'm reading fantasy or historical fiction. I think fantasy with the kind of historical inspiration is brilliant. Like, look what George R. R. Martin did with Game of Thrones. He's taken the War of the Roses and just given everyone different names and added <laughs> a few big wolves, that kind of thing. Um, and it just adds a sense of realism. And, you know, nothing is darker than history. That's what I like to say. And I think if you're going for a kind of a dark style of fantasy, then, you know, pinching things from history probably a good way to go about it <laughs> absolutely yeah i think immersion is a really interesting point because this is something i think pl can also um, chime in on as well because i know you have a lot of your book isn't necessarily historical uh fantasy i wouldn't really necessarily call it that pl can speak for himself but uh, i know you took a lot of inspiration as the brothers were saying from historical points in, in history right especially for your battle scenes i think we talked about in the previous chat yeah and 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 you know i i'm someone who um you know i have a degree in 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 a medieval literature in english and a minor in history and i look to the brothers gwyn for some of the best uh hispic wrecks because i'm a history nut too and i'm a hispic nut and um you know some of my favorite authors bernard cornwall you'll see his books on the top of my shelf um you know your Papa Gwyn's are, you know, all over the place because he's one of my favorite authors as well. Um, but, and of course, yeah, Taylor, we're both, Taylor and I are, big, are huge fans of his work. I love to see all that. And, you know, I'm jealous because I know you have all this, the special editions and, and all that that I, you know, I salivate over. Things. I mean, yeah. What I love about history is, you know, I'm old as you see by the gray beard and, and I, I was, I was brought up uh, on the classics and, um, you know, especially because of school, you know, and, and, even before that, um, I was probably a bit of an oddball reading things like the Iliad at a young age, reading uh, Paradise Lost, um, you know, reading books that, you know, I know Paradise Lost, big influence on, on your father's work. And what I love about history specifically, historical fiction specifically, and historical fantasy, which is, a, which is another subgenre that I find fascinating, is that I like the gaps and the details and the what-ifs between you can look uh, and and there are there are various events recorded in history that we would all agree are accurate, factual. Typically, things like dates of birth, dates of death, dates of battles, things like that. And however, everything in between um, is actually a gray zone because, um, as we know, history is not always accurate in terms of other aspects, and uh, it's often written uh, from the lens of certain um, people who have a vested interest in making the history. Uh, sound a certain way, making uh, certain people uh, be shown in a better light than others, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And and that's and it's that ambiguity and that mystery that I love about history. That um, you can turn and twist it any way you want to suit a certain narrative, and especially when you have a character, um, you know, uh, from say a historical uh, historical fiction book. Um, you know, and and I guess you would qualify uh, the Warlord Chronicles by Bernard Cornwell. I know uh, Willard, that's that's the book, the series that you love. That's one of my favorite series of all time. You know, you're you're dealing with the Arthurian legend, in that um, you know these characters may not have ever existed, however they might have, but what were they like? And you know, in 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 uh, the Warlord Chronicles, you get the perspective, of the main uh, POV of Durfell. Um, who is a lesser known, I would argue, um, you know, figure in Arthurian legend. And he gets to tell the story of Arthur from his lens. And, and one of the things I love most about that book is that, 
you know, he took something like um, like Lancelot is a villain, right? And and for most people, uh, for what they've read of Arthurian legend, Lancelot is 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 the opposite, right? He's this glamorized hero, and I, and I love that ability to blur and and mix and max and 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 everything is everything is a mystery, and it's what you make of it, and I love that aspect of of uh, historical fiction and historical fantasy. Uh, that, that's that's one of the things that I love about it. So. Yeah, it's filling the gaps, isn't it? I think that's what Bernard Cornwell does so well. And he always says that's why he loves history that hasn't got a lot written about it. You know, you've got all these events of, let's say, the Saxon stories. You've got a few key dates, few key battles, but he can just fill it in. And, he, you know, it, as long as it fits the story, he's having a great time. We're having a good time <laughs> as well. You know, I think the only time when I get pulled out of, you know, books is when, you know, if it's history and they've got a sword strapped to their back, it's just silly things like that, which like the little details like UPO as well. You love the details and that's what I love. And it's just like, it, I think mainly I get pulled out of, of historical stuff is when I'm watching TV, you know, you might see, cause you can just see everything. Can't you, you can see all the inaccuracies and I'm like, no, <laughs> but I try, I'm getting better in my old age to, uh, to, to try and let it go. I think. Yeah. yeah. There I was, see a, there was a time containing it now where he's just looking yeah. down. Just <laughs> There was a time where you <laughs> said, I'm not watching anything anymore because you just pick it apart. <laughs> I'm trying my best. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm loving the historical fantasy, the new subgenre of fantasy that's coming mm. around. And there's some yes. really brilliant books out there. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, and it's it, it's a good time for fantasy at the moment in terms of historical inspiration as well. Yeah, yeah, and there's the saying that history is written by the victors, isn't it? And so you've got that perspective again, where you can kind of shift it, and with what Bernard Cornwell did, kind of immersing yourself in kind of the hegemonic values of that time, how different it can be, but how it also resonates. Like there's a reason, like the Arthurian legend has been around and loved for a millennium now. And it's because of kind of those core themes that really resonate, despite culture changing so much throughout that time. And I love how that can transfer to fantasy, where people can take aspects from different time periods, different mm -hmm. cultures, and really make it an amalgamation and all of that, which is really interesting. And again, as you said, Pierre Stewart, kind of those, um, the, the what-ifs. Mm -hmm. Now, just... Not to put you on a tangent, but as someone who does not know why a sword on the back would be horrendous to see, <laughs> could you tell us, if there's people in the chat who also don't know, why would that be something that would bother you in your reading? <laughs> I mean, firstly, if you look at, as someone who likes to go to museums and stuff like that, obviously, you know, you, you get a scabbard from a from a sword that always found to be worn, you know, on the hip, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, if you have a great big sword on your back, like if you've read the Witcher books, the main character Geralt has two, um, you know, trying to draw that, unless you have arms as long as a chimpanzee or something, it's just not going to work. So it's just logistics, yeah, really. Let's say you're in a pub and, you know, someone pushes you, your back's against the wall, you can't really pull it out, can you? So it's just going to get give in me the a way. Minute. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Hang on. I've, I've tried it. Yeah. <laughs> I did try it. And one of my friends had a scabbard made for his back and I tried to pull it out. It was just very very tricky so i was throwing my body all over the place <laughs> and trying to get to it but no it just didn't work so there you go okay logistics it does look practical cool. i mean even even papa Gwyn has <laughs> has swords on the back uh, in his books mm -hmm. but i can't let him off i guess <laughs> you, <laughs> you know it's funny it inside, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that very point um Someone you know well, a friend of the channel and a, a friend of mine, a moderator, Miles Cameron, a great reenactor who who yeah. is a, a master of of ancient combat and writing ancient combat. He would he had mentioned that the other day. I think it was one of his writing fighting videos illustrating that hey, 
just to your point, uh, Ed and Wong, if you're going to draw this thing, if you're going to wear a sword on your back, you can draw this thing. It actually uh, it would likely have to be two-handed. And and as you said, you know, you're in the middle of a pub fight. Okay, like you said, give me a second while I reach back with both of my hands and draw this thing. And hey, I have I have a character in my books that 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 has a, a great sword on his back. It's but but he's not typically in those situations, so he has, usually has a tongue drawn because at the back of the fighting. But yeah, it, it's it's those little the little um, tidbits that I, I can imagine that you know the more you read. And the more you become aware of certain things, yeah, the, the more it can become a bugaboo for you when you read something that 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 would be logistically, practically, you know, implausible and or you know historically inaccurate in terms of you know, well, you know, like you said, most people carried carried swords and scabbards and sheaths on on their hip because of ease of the draw. So, uh, but it's just funny. Miles Cameron had mentioned that just the other day and put a video about that on writing and fighting recommend anyone write watch writing fighting miles cameron he does some fantastic stuff it was in his backyard he went for a barbecue and uh wow his 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 uh his uh his collection of arms is quite impressive it's quite impressive it's, <laughs> yeah it's just so fun yeah <laughs> his videos are great as well and it's like little insights like that i think that will help you know, lots and lots of authors or even people reading, you know, just kind of gives you a bit more like a nugget of detail, which, you know, mm. I really like. But it's, it's really active people that like to go and try it out. And it's, you know, I love that about, about them. We've tried some stuff out as well. It's a lot of fun. But yeah. <laughs> and then talking about maybe little bits that aren't actually authentic. If you flip it around, there's little bits that are authentic that you find in a fantasy book. Says like maybe the Powder Major or Age of Madness, which is inspired by elements of the French Revolution. Is there? I'm reading, then I'll just nod my head. I'm like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> and then it would just, it just increases my love for the series and mm. kind of again adds that immersion, which I'm probably going to say like a thousand times in this chat. That's totally fine. That is totally fine. I wanted to pull up a recreation as well. We can try. We can try that. <laughs> yeah, Chris's request. Yes, we'd <laughs> love fun. to see that. <laughs> I wanted to just pull up a couple comments of people who uh, are with us today. We have Philip Chase with us. Uh, we're with him as he's getting ready for work. So thanks for stopping Philip. by. Thank you, Philip. Uh, Amy's here. Good morning from Maine. Just popping in to listen while I get ready for my work day. Lots of people getting ready for work. I guess it's nine o'clock on the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then <laughs> Faye says, I'm at work, so I'm sad I'm missing this. <laughs> Thanks for mm -hmm. popping by anyway. Uh, and then our friend, JCM oh, <laughs> Byrne, I'm at work and glad this is distracting me. <laughs> Great author in his own right. This is yeah. for, yeah. yeah. <laughs> glad to be of service. Yes. And oh, Anita, hello. Anita. Wonderful blogger. Uh, then we had a couple comments about what we were discussing. Oh. So Esme says, talking about historical fiction, I read The Children of Gods oh, and yes. Fighting Men after seeing Ed and Will gush about it. And it was absolutely fantastic. Your guys' wrecks never disappoint. Oh, that's I've seen awesome. that everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Oh, that is awesome too, because that is a book that we both just fell in love with. Yeah, we? Have and you read that yet, P.O.? No, it's my next. I'm currently devoting this month to reading the works of my favorite author, Janie Worth. That's kind of an exclusive thing I'm doing. Um, but that is going to be the first read of March is going to be. It's sitting by my bedside. I'm like, I can't <laughs> wait to get to this. And again, your Rex, uh, you know, watching your videos uh, and will and really got me psyched and stoked for that book. So I absolutely can't wait to read it. Yeah, it's awesome. If you like Bernard Cornwell, then I think you'll definitely love Children of Gods and Fighting Men. It'll be right up your street.
I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited. Really, and and Shauna seemed wonderful. I've been on uh, a couple of, of lives with her. Seems like such a fabulous person and, and very very articulate. And yeah, so I have no doubt that I'm going to be I'm going to be pleased. So <laughs> it really seems to be getting a lot of love. I'm seeing it absolutely everywhere in the best way possible. I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, had a yeah. question. Question for Ed: <laughs> Is it half term in the UK or is Ed bunking off? It is indeed half term. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bunk off. It's not like me. I mean, would you admit it if you were though? I wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> I can neither confirm or deny. Know what, your, your employer tracking you down. Yeah. We have video evidence. Right. <laughs> it is up here for posterity, so we'll just say absolutely, it's half term. <laughs> just leave it at that. <laughs> so this is a bit of a different track, but it is kind of rare that we have other booktubers on here. I don't know if you could tell, I've kind of got the booktuber shelves myself. So <laughs> I just wanted to ask a couple booktube-centered questions, if you don't mm -hmm. mind, at a couple cool. of them. Uh, one of them that I really like to ask other people who make content on the tubes is, how has BookTube affected your reading since you started actively making content? Because I know for me, when I was a lurker, I did get, you know, recommendations from BookTube and it did affect it in that way. But since I started specifically choosing books to make content on or kind of finding my circle on BookTube, it's really shifted what I'm aware of, what I start to read, self-pub being a big one of those from meeting mm. Steve and PL. So I'm curious for you guys, if you've noticed a shift and if you have, what have you noticed? What's changed? Oh yeah, there's most definitely been a change, I think, because obviously in one way your reading time is reduced a bit because obviously editing videos and filming. But on the, yes. uh, on the flip side of that, I think I'm just constantly motivated to read because I'm watching booktube videos, engaging with kind of the community and just having that TBR pile growing ever taller. And uh, I have to try and conquer it. And so there's the motivation to just carry on reading. And yeah, there's so many more recommendations. So there's always a fresh read. So I feel like I don't really get reading slumps. I haven't for quite a while, um, quite a few years now because of that constant motivation and the kind of the range of books that have been presented to me, which if I wasn't on BookTube, and I think the same applies for you, Ed, mm. that um, I wouldn't have picked up many of these books. So, yeah, of course, really grateful for that. Yeah, it was really taking a hit to my bank account, really, all of these recommendations I get from other people. Like, you look at the comments, oh you watch other videos, and it's just a nightmare. But, hey, I love it. I'm definitely here for that. So, um, yeah, I think the way that my readings change, I think at first I was really tailor-picking um, reads purely for people you know to I thought you know what would people on the channel like to see I think I'm kind of moving away from that a bit more now I'm just carry on reading stuff I I read lots of niche stuff so I don't want to I don't want to kind of ostracize anyone but you know I'm just kind of reading more <laughs> for me really and then if people like it then because I recently read a historical fiction series called about Boudicca and I didn't think you know people on the channel before I even started reading it, I didn't think people, no one's mentioned it before, so they might not want to read it. But I read it and I was like, fancy fans would absolutely love this. So hopefully it's stuff like that that I can then, you know, it, recommend to other people mm. and get more books out there. But yeah, and I don't remember the last time I binged a series just nonstop because I remember you, you and I were chatting the other day, weren't we? And then we were saying before BookTube, we would read one book of a series and then we'd fall in love with it. And then we would read the whole thing, whole series without reading anything else. But now I'm making sure I'm always kind of picking something else up in between just so I'm reading a quite a range as well. And I think also, um, yeah, as you said about that, binging has changed. But also we 
try and choose more books that we both read so that we can talk about it on the channel yeah. and things like that, which I find is a lot of fun as well. Because, mm. of course, if you can talk to people who have also read the book, gone through that experience and fingers crossed both love it and uh, just kind of praise it, then um, that is awesome. So, yeah, we definitely read more of the same, don't we? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it's good to have those conversations. I don't know if you found the same uh, Taylor, but you know, choosing choosing books that you can have conversations with with other people is always, you know, a big motivation as well. Oh, a hundred percent. And that balance between books that everyone is reading, you can have a conversation about, and then the niche books you'd like to introduce. That's a very interesting balance to strike, I feel. And Esme actually mm. just made a comment about that. I love to go to the Brothers Gwyn channel for more obscure or niche recs. Now it's only a matter of squeezing them into my reading schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. As we said, the ever-growing TBR pile. Thanks, Esme. <laughs> listen, listen. It's imp I, I can't at this point. My TBR pile is just too big. <laughs> physical, physical TBR may still be tackled in a lifetime. But mm. if you include ebooks and audiobooks and everything else that I would like to read, I'm fooling myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. But it's better too many than too few, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I'm not gonna complain, but here I am complaining. It's a good <laughs> and the so wallet the thing is higher well. than the ceiling, and it's like oh dear. Well, I mean, I think it's yeah. when it becomes actually threatening. Like once, um, for some silly reason, I had a bookshelf directly above my bed, and um, so I just stacked more and more books on there. And then in the middle of the night, just heard this crashing and people no. going on, and they came in, and I was basically just buried under uh, a bunch of books. And yeah, people say that's the best. Back. That's the best thing. To yeah. Be that's a good way to go. Like, if that was it, if that was the more, then that's a good way to go, I think. Exactly. I mean, it terrified me in the moment. I thought I was being attacked by something. I was actually but... planning your demise, and just each night I was just slowly <laughs> I'm loosening. Slowly, yeah. Adding another book to it, yeah. Do you but remember the final you book that, that, that you put on? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I, I used to have books above my bed when I was younger. And actually, my mom was like, you got to move those because she was afraid of that exact thing happening. So <laughs> good to know it actually can happen. <laughs> well, it's funny, like my bookshelf now, and you know, I know that for me, it's always a case of what I buy and sneak into the house or what my wife she looks at the credit card. She's like, oh, my God, you bought more books? Oh, no, that was a long time ago. No, no, that, that, oh, no, 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 honey. That's pre-orders. You know, pre-orders, yeah, yeah. So, so, and now, you know, I, I have, now I got this new bookshelf, which is great because you can stack books behind each other in the shelves. So, you know, unless you look carefully, you really don't, you put the smaller books below and people don't really see. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that I think being addicted to, to books and reading, there's a lot worse vices out there that, that someone could potentially have. And, you know. No. Yeah, I say yeah. to myself at three in the morning when I make my purchases, it could be drugs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a book storage problem. It's not a book buying problem, right? It's, it's, that's, that's that's the real issue. So I like that. Yeah. I, like I always say that, that book reading and book buying are very different hobbies. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely are. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leo, uh, Patrick Leo, the other, I think Leslie was, I haven't watched the full thing yet, but I think he just bought a special edition of a Tad Williams book that was like, $175. you can see the guilt, the, the pleasure, but the guilt in his face that, oh my gosh, I spent $175 on a book I haven't read yet. He hasn't even read Tad Williams yet. And, you know, <laughs> but he's like, I had to have it. And he's, yeah. you can see one of the boxes like, oh, look at this. And that's, that's the feeling a lot of us get um, yeah, yeah. in a variety of ways for mm. getting our, our favorite books. 
<laughs> I've tried to hold back a bit where I finally um, got a Kindle two months ago thinking, all right, I'm going to make sure that I don't pile my room up so much. I have to like, it's like an obstacle course to get anywhere. Um, so a lot forward now, I'm going to buy more books in the Kindle. Then if I love them, I'll buy a physical copy as well. Because you just have to do that, don't you? Yeah. Yes. There's nothing like physical copies. There is nothing like for me that feeling of having that 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 tangible book in your hand and moving the cover and you know flipping the pages and yeah, just there's there's nothing like it. So. Definitely. And the same applies like I can't really write much on like a laptop or if I'm doing notes or anything. I love a notebook and a pen. Mm -hmm. it, just, it just feels different. It's, it's satisfying. Definitely agree. I've definitely adopted a similar way, a similar style of purchasing as well, because living in Japan, shipping is just, it's another book, essentially, to get any English books here. So mm. I usually do audiobook, or if I could do it through my library, I'm lucky enough to have an American library card, so I can access the American library uh, there. But uh, I always try to experience the work first. And then if I like it, I'll, I'll spend money on it. But clearly that, I mean, it, it only keeps so much from happening. <laughs> so uh, that was a really interesting point you made, though, about binge reading. And a couple people have commented about it, saying binge reading series is the biggest change for me. I kind of miss it. And we also had Faye saying, I still always binge to the detriment of my channel which I think is an extremely interesting comment because I also found that I also stopped binge reading. And I kind of realized it when you just said it just now, where I used to read a whole series and then move on. But it's been a long time since I've read something back to back. And I wonder, obviously, if it's a series on your channel and you're doing a read along, there's a benefit to continuously reading a series. But have you noticed if you're talking about a sequel or, you know, even the fourth book in a series, is that more difficult to make content about? Do you think, do you find less people engage with that? Yeah, definitely. I think because you want to kind of be open for everyone to watch, don't you? And the further you get into mm. a series, obviously you want to avoid spoilers. And also if people didn't enjoy book one or they're not interested in it, and then it will kind of dwindle book by book, won't it? And then, so we feel like, I, I think we still make sure to cover all the books that we yeah. really want to talk about, but we might space them out a bit. Like um, over a year ago now, we did like a review for each book in the first law, but we just spaced it out a bit. So then it wasn't just like mm. three weeks of first law content and then, those who haven't read it wouldn't be able to kind of engage with that so we do try to we compromise a bit yeah and i think if you do a review for each book you could do it for something that's really popular like obviously lord of the rings you could review each of those books because it's got such a big fan base everyone will get something out of one of those videos you know but if you read a new series like for example we recorded a video yesterday about the new richard swan book coming out the tyranny of mm -hmm. faith and obviously if we do a review of book one then book two book three not you know it hasn't got a huge fan base in terms of like harry potter lord of the rings or you know george r, r. martin that kind of thing so you're not going to have as many people wanting to to you know watch your video might have spoilers that kind of thing but i think if we do a review of a first book and then if we love it then we'll review the whole series that's yeah. probably what we do i think that's what people like to mm. see anyway 
And it's a bit of experimentation yeah. as well, isn't it? Like, we'll upload book one and then... Uh, so we'll have a review of Dreaming the Eagle, book one of the Boudicca series up at some point. And then if people... Because quite a few people seem engaged with it. And so, yeah, we may do one for every single book. But, yeah, it, I'd say it doesn't alter our reading as much. We still no. kind of get to those books, but we just break it up a bit. So it's not binge reading. Yeah. 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 Yeah, something I I really appreciate uh, using your word pop that Papa Gwyn does is he does the story thus far, doing the Lord's work, doing the Lord's <laughs> work, putting that in books, truly, because, you know, I find that if I put a, spa a space, you know, between the books, it ends up getting longer than I planned because then I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? So that just happened to me with, um, I loved The Black Coast by Mike Brooks and I read it last year and I was so excited. I bought a second book right when it came out guess when I'm reading it now. So <laughs> uh, I really appreciate having those stories thus far. You know, yeah. It's funny because Papa Gwynn said he found that bit really tricky to write, didn't he? Yeah. He, he didn't know what bits to include. And he was just like, oh, I just don't know what to mention. I might not do it. And then he hey, 40,000. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, idea, because of everyone in the community, everyone wants to read so many different books. It's such a good idea because it just, it, sometimes i'll want to reread book one but then if i know book two's got a synopsis at the at the beginning of what you know what's been before then i'll just jump straight into book two more likely anyway so it's a really good idea yeah i think it's a definitely a, a tricky thing as a writer i know i've struggled with it personally you know do you write that what's gone before synopsis etc tad williams does a does, does, does a really good job of that in some of his, his books in his series at least the ones i've read um or do you weave um somewhat of a recap organically in the pages if you have a long series and that's always a struggle i think for writers what to do with that um you know i opted not to do it for mine personally but i've, I've seen a lot of really effective recaps the lord of the rings obviously i think would be the, probably mm -hmm. the one of the best examples of of that recap that that brings you right back as soon as you read that you're right you're right into the action you, you know what's going on you're you're mm -hmm. flying over the second book but i do definitely think there's a and as a blogger myself there is that pressure to read as widely as possible so even if you read a book and it's 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 phenomenally popular you know it's 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 amazing and and everyone wants to get to that second book you tend to okay you know what that was fantastic but i need to read this series that i have my tbr so you put, you've done that book one you go into book one of the next series and before you know it you've read book one of 50 series <laughs> and now book two right and that in itself can be problematic so and i think um I think you're right. Unless you're dealing with something that has the the massive uh, reach and appeal of of a Malazan, you know, a Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, a Farsi or something of that ilk, it is hard to do, um, you know, back to back reviews, you know, unless you're doing, like you said, an immersive deep dive series that Taylor mentioned, where you know you're you're breaking down, okay, you know, Gardens of the Moon first book, and then you're you go to the second book, you know, two weeks later, right? Like it is, it is difficult because, and again, for yourself personal, personally, you want to expand your horizons. You want to read all these books and, you know, so many books, a little time, you're trying to fit everything in and, you know, how do you do that? Right. So. I think the person who does the best reviews of book one, two, three would definitely be, I think, Philip Chase, because Philip Chase, he has such good insights and they always make me feel like I'm learning something about the book, as even though he doesn't go into spoilers. You know, sometimes he might do a breakdown of the characters. I recently watched his uh, review of The Prince of Nothing, book one of that one. 
Um, and I really enjoyed that after I read the book because I just felt like I, you know, he he really captures a way of talking about it. Uh, so I would definitely watch book, you know, reviews one, two, and three, and I, it definitely adds to the series. So I think you get booktubers who are just really gifted like that, definitely, and I'll watch them uh, with an insight. But yeah, it's it's really hard to kind of um, choose what you're reading as well. As a writer, PL, do you think? Are you reading for research as well? Do you read things to kind of inspire you with your writing? Does that help you with your choices or do you just always just read for pleasure? You know, it's funny. Um, and Taylor can attest to this. Uh, so Taylor and I both are both bloggers with the wonderful board before we go blog. Shout out Beth Tabler, our boss. She's, she's amazing. Uh, also a leader at Grimdart Magazine. And Taylor and I are both assistant editors. And right now we're in the middle of the self-published fantasy blog off run by the incredible Mark Lawrence, as, as mm-hmm. we, all, we all know and love. And we're in the finalist judging phase. So for bloggers like Taylor and I, aside from our regular reading that we read for pleasure, and aside from everything else, and you know, you, you're reading these books for the competition. And um, for the most part, I mean, you know, Beth is fantastic. You can essentially read what you like, but you have a, you know, you know, ten books from a range of ten books. So you'll pick the ones that that seem up your alley and you read them. And I think what I'm finding more and more as a blogger in my blogging life that I'm reading books that I otherwise would have read, which is fantastic, but I'm reading specifically because I, I want to blog about them because the books are well-known or popular or, or they're, they're an up, it's an up-and-coming author that, that people want to know, okay, what is this book about? So I want to be able to provide you know, one, of the, one of the first you know, reviews that's, that's out there about it. So I read, I guess if you, can say, if you think about it, a bit less for pleasure than I ever yeah. have before. That said, I I still, the vast preponderance of my books are still because this something about this book attracts me. I really want to read it. I read predominantly uh, high fantasy, epic fantasy, historical fiction, sci-fi, things of that nature. So I still read the books that I want to read. I find that, and I, I'm very drawn to the, the books with a more classical feel. Um, I read a lot of authors. I read now, of course, and I'm a self-published author. Um, you know, it's funny. Be, prior to, you know, 10 years ago, prior to becoming an author, um, I really didn't know a lot about the self-publishing milieu, of which I'm ashamed to say now that I'm a self-published author. And of course, you know, my my version of finding books was a part of you, me going on YouTube, was walking to Chapters Indigo, which is a big major bookstore in Canada, and going to the shelves and seeing your dad's books or, you know, seeing, you know, you know, Tolkien and, and, and just browsing and pick up a book that way. Now, yeah. because of BookTube, because of uh, the proliferation of self-published books, like it's totally different. And being a blogger, it's totally different. I don't read a lot for research because um, I do do research. I don't want to say that I don't, but um, because I'm, I'm older and I'm, I've read quite a bit now, a lot of my research has come again for the classics, the Lamorte Arthur's, the you know the the Iliad, the Odyssey, the you know the, I've 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 been reading for a long time, as you can see, right? And <laughs> and you know I, I have been writing for a long time. But, um, you know, I do read books that inspire me as well. I do, you know, some of my favorite authors, your father among them, Jenny Wirtz, Miles Cameron, you know, I, I, those are, are people I read not just for pleasure because they make me want to step up my game. They really yeah. wanted to, to strive for that continuous improvement that all writers, I believe, that that's something that we're, we're, we're driving towards that goalpost. So, uh, and, and I read for the for the wonder of, you know, I mean, I still read for the simple wonder of, like you said, immersion, being taken to that world where I just escape for a few hours and I don't have any troubles. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about the war in Ukraine or anything else other than 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally focused and into this book, right? Um, and I, I very much read books, I think, that I want to read books that touch me and leave a lasting impression that are poignant, um, you know, especially when it comes to characters. I'm a huge character-based reader, uh, you know, and Taylor knows, knows me well. The three things I'm looking for, I'm looking for compelling themes, I'm looking for great characterization, and the prose. You know, the prose has to be there for me. Um, yeah. You know, I, if, 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 unfortunately, I read some fantastic books that they were, the storytelling was great in it, but, but perhaps the prose didn't mesh with me. And unfortunately, you, you may have lost me a bit, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean the book isn't a good book. It's not a great book. It's just that it, it didn't it didn't quite reach that level for me. So yeah. um, I need prose. I need Tessa Gratton, one of my favorite favorite authors. She she writes uh, her you know I've read her duology that is is essentially a retelling of Shakespeare um, with with LGBTQ uh, plus uh, characters. That is just her prose is just Jenny Wirtz, an, another writer that. It, the prose is transcended. It's just you know, your father's prose is just you know phenomenal, and 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 just writers that can just totally grab me and pull me in just by virtue of the writing alone. So yeah, that's what that kind of leads into. Like one of the amazing things about reading, isn't it? Is that it's subjective that we don't just get given a list of oh here's fifty books everyone will love and then the journey's done. Um, and that's one of the amazing things, isn't it? That we pick up so many books. Some they may not click with us, but they may still leave an impression on you. There's many books that um, I really respect them. There's bits that I think are absolutely fantastic. But overall, it may not be a favorite of mine. Um, but it's still worth kind of that reading experience, isn't it? Because of you, you learn more about what you enjoy and you kind of get a, I think I'm now being a booktuber, I think I'm a lot more thoughtful in what I read. And okay, what's, before I would just wander into Papa Gwynn's library of books and then I'd like, oh, that one looks cool. I'll pick that out. But now I'm steal, thinking, I think you mean steal, borrow, yeah. Yeah. we'll say borrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, they've stayed in my room for three years, but we'll say <laughs> borrowing. And yeah, but now I, I think I do a little bit more research um, thinking, OK, what are the themes kind of playing into it? Multi POV, single POV. Um, is it kind of epic, smaller, more intimate and things like that? And um, I don't just read one thing, but it depends on I like to mix it up a bit. And I think that's another way you can kind of avoid reading slumps is by that variability in uh reading as well yeah but i think bef before i would only read books with swords in i was like religiously <laughs> just in love with swords and i was like i'm not going to read anything that doesn't have it in so what's the point and then i've last few years i've started reading books without swords in and they're actually pretty good it was a big jump yeah yeah <laughs> some pretty good ones out there so yeah i'm impressed <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that is interesting i find myself as well um being more, you said, thoughtful, and I think that's a very good word in the way that you approach books, not just as PL was saying with like the spiff book competition and how you write reviews, but also in, it's always a subjective experience, but in realizing that objectively something isn't bad, even if it's not for me. So yeah. I'm actually in a very interesting space right now with the queen of fantasy, Miss Hobb, because thus far... Might not be for me, <laughs> but <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, but I can objectively recognize her prose is cozy. Yeah. It's beautiful. Character work is great. Um, we'll see. Uh, I actually started to do a vlog because I was so excited to read the Farseer trilogy and I vlogged my experience with the first two and I'm debating if that's ever going to see the light of day. <laughs> Because it, I was expecting to be a fangirl from the beginning. And so mm. it's 
but it's one of those things again where it's not a bad thing product it's just whether it matches me so i find that booktube and talking to people who you know who love hop <laughs> which is everyone <laughs> uh helps me to kind of appreciate it outside of just my subjective scope yeah. So I found that that's a really interesting thing BookTube uh, has done for me. Yeah, well, well, I mean, there was a pain in my heart as you said that. But um, yeah, I think that's, uh, again, as I said before, one of the wonderful things, isn't it? Um, and we'll recommend books to each other. And some we will love, some we won't, but we still think, oh, that was brilliant from it. Um, and like Ed, mm-hmm. you're an aspiring writer. Like there's things that you think that is a writer who he's done brilliant. Um, say with the, with the characters or prose or something like that. And it can be inspiring yeah. in that sense, even if you don't, love and identify with the book as a whole yeah i think i read i it's rare that i don't enjoy a book because i usually try and maybe i find i try and find something that i enjoy but um but yeah i mean i'm with you on top on on robin hobb really um taylor but mm. i read book one and i really enjoyed it i, I think it's a five-star book it, there's some amazing bits about it but i've just never wanted to carry on the series so i, I definitely will at some mm-hmm. point before william start strangling me and things like yeah, that. Yeah, a war is brewing. <laughs> we'll, we'll push that under the carpet for yeah. now. <laughs> hey, We're not Sand- completely alone. Jason Sanderson. Also. Sanderson, Taylor. I mean, I mean, yeah, I know. Taylor and I are planning to do, she's going to help me, some some of the booktubers who are well, very uh, well read with. Sanderson is going to help me get through his books. I've read one. Um, again, there's so many things that are phenomenal and so many aspects of his, his craft are exceptional. However, for me, it's just, the prose just left me a bit there it is. <laughs> wanting, right, Philip? I mean, you know, I, you know, coming from, I, I think, I, and you know, I wondered, and and I, and there was times when I asked myself, I had to sit down and and I want to look look objectively at, at at what my issue was. Like, you know, is it that I've I've read so much, you know, I guess more. I don't want to say books that the language is archaic, but that I've read so many uh, more ancient older works and I was brought up a certain way and my you know my background in terms of school is that why you know I find I struggle with with you know prose that I think is not uh you know so evocative and and immersive I, you know I, I I tried to to break down to brass tacks what it was but at the end of the day it's sometimes it's just a thing it's just a feeling you can't really articulate what it is it just doesn't you know it just doesn't work for you right but but Brandon Sanders is a brilliant writer there's so many aspects of his 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 so many elements his writing fantastic but that, that I know for sure that that the prose doesn't grab me, and that's okay though. And and we have to forgive ourselves for for like Taylor for not 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 just absolutely loving Robin Hobb as much as you know someone you respect you know like <laughs> again loves Robin Hobb. It's, 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 it's just one of those things, you know. And 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 that's that's also when I because I see it from both sides as a writer, right? You know, I I see it. I, I look at my books and people that my books will never click with and never be for them but they may actually respect or like things about my books and have complimentary things but they just it just doesn't work for them and that's okay because there's always a book out there for somebody right and there's always someone who will love robin hobb or will love brandon or will love my books and 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 it so books always find their audience um you know they always find the people who really connect with them and, and really want to read them and love them and want to continue reading books from from that writer so and the other thing we have to realize too is that writers evolve and their writing styles evolve and sometimes they write in different genres and sometimes um they they write certain books um you know for certain reasons specifically you're writing a book for an anthology 
that you know it, it's different from from writing a long series on your own. You're co-authoring a book with someone, so maybe you're trying to write more to their style. There, there's so many reasons why why I think it's important to, especially with writers with big bodies of work, to mm -hmm. read as many of their books as possible. If you like so to to realize that, well, you may read one of their series like this doesn't really this isn't the same as this series that I really like, right? But that's okay. That might be part of the writer's natural evolution, or maybe a specific reason why why they're writing something very different. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're very lucky that um, obviously you can talk to Papa Gwyn and ask him all these questions. And he's saying that he feels like his writing's changed a lot since Malice. It was his first book. And he says that he learns every single book and then he's tried to do something very different with the mm -hmm. Bloodsworn, kind of taking different historical inspiration, more of that Norse feel. Um, so he said he does feel like a very different writer. But it still has series. that Papa Gwyn style, I think. You're, yeah. you're, you stick with your style, but you do evolve. Like, And, you know, having good prose doesn't mean purple prose does it you know you, you don't have to be you know robin Hobb or guy gabriel k to have good prose you can be like papa gwen and be effective and economic and i've heard lots of people say that sanderson just doesn't quite have it just doesn't gel with with them so i don't think you're alone there pl i, I think i've picked up a, a brandon sanderson book once and, it, and, and i put it down but i'll definitely try mm. again at some point because Everyone seems to love them for the most part, don't they? So, you know, am I missing something? I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah I don't think you're alone there. Mm. But yeah, because I, I read a, uh, The Way of Kings quite a few years ago. But um, and I remember I really enjoyed it at the time, but I didn't feel that kind of burning need to pick yeah. up book two straight away. Mm. And then it's been what five years now and I've not picked up another one. So I definitely do need to. Um, because uh, as I said, I enjoyed it, but um, they're chunky books. As well, <laughs> they are chunky books. Chunk. Yeah, they're, 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 they're chunkers. But but also too sometimes, and I think this is something I think perhaps at first you may or may not have struggled with this. Uh, and well, I'm not sure. Taylor, same thing. I know I have is is especially when you start off blogging. I think sometimes there's, there's perhaps this unseen pressure to read certain books to be able to to say that I'm well read in fantasy, for example. Mm. You know, for a lot of people, it means that you've read Erickson, you've read Tolkien, you've read Donaldson, you've read Hobb, you've read Sanderson, you've read Jordan, you've read the names, right? And K. Jemison, you pick pick your writers, but if you haven't read from at least a portion of these books, that perhaps you're not as well read as as you know, and that that perhaps uh, the the your your pulpit from which to 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 speak about um, your your knowledge of fantasy isn't perhaps as extensive as you know someone else, and I think. I think at first, um, I think that pressure is there for a lot of a lot of bloggers. I think it's real, and you know, and it takes a, it takes time too. As as you have to point out, some of the books are chonkers, right? You know, you're talking about investing, you know, a thousand page way of plus way of kings book. It, you know, if you're not Esme, is probably going to take you a couple <laughs> weeks, right? Um, you know, so so that's a huge investment of time, and and to get through a series like Miles End, which I'm. I'm in the middle of reading to read in the middle of reading the wars of light shadow by jenny words my favorite author which i love but again you know i'm 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 five books in and those books average about 700 800 pages in, in in mass market paperback and and they're big and to so to be quote unquote well read might take you a few years um so, you know but did you did you either of you i just want to you know ask actually all three of you did you ever feel a bit of that that hey i haven't read so and so so i i I'm not sure if I can qualify myself as being an authority and, and you know, and, and kind of, you know, put that label of well-read uh, blogger in there. Did, did you ever feel any of that? 
Before we answer, I just want to put this up for as Miss said. Is this where I admit I blasted through it in five days? There you go, Esme. Again, <laughs> not even surprised. Esme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Esme, you have special powers. I'd like to. She does. But, um, well, you guys yeah, can take the question sorry, first. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Um, I definitely felt the pressure at first, especially as kind of, you know, younger readers. And I spent a lot of time, I didn't really start reading properly till I was probably 20, 21. I'd always read Papa Gwynne's books, but nothing else too much, really. A bit of bit of Tolkien and that kind of stuff. But especially when I started off, I was like, I haven't, uh, you know, to call myself, to be in the fantasy club, I've got to read Wheel of Time, I've got to read Malazan, all this kind of stuff. And there's loads of names I haven't read. I haven't read any Robert Jordan or Sanderson or any of that. But um but I think now I'm not really too fussed because I feel like I've I've read quite a lot of books in the, in fantasy. I know where it's going now. I, I've read quite a diverse list, really. So I think as long as, you know, I, and I feel like I've read lots of David Gemmell. He's my favourite kind of classic fantasy author. Um, and I, I read a lot of a lot as a kid, Lloyd Alexander. Mm. So I feel like I, you know, I'm comfortable with that kind of stuff with my, my knowledge that I know about those. But what about you, Will? Yeah, well, I think... Um... So I, I've studied English and history at, um, at college and I'm going on to at uni. So I think I did feel a bit of pressure in that sense to maybe read a bit less fantasy. But then in the booktube community, read fantasy. And I think I was making kind of lists thinking, oh, I need to read this, this and this. Mm. But uh, luckily, I think I gave myself a bit of a slap on the wrist and I was like, I need to read what I think I'll love um for whatever reason that may be and i think there are times where people are like oh have you read mistborn or uh, the entirety of <laughs> stormlight archive and i'm like have like my head drops <laughs> i'm ashamed with myself but um no I think... but i read robin hobb seven times <laughs> <laughs> but then you can turn it into something of no but i'm looking forward to read that and it's impossible to read every single book that's out there mm. but it's definitely like I, I think it's like a reading goal isn't it of i need to, uh, uh, one day i want to have read these mega series like malazan will time Lord of the rings realm of the old links all of them um but it's kind of just looking forward to having that fuller fantasy picture yeah i think uh i have a quite a similar end point to what you guys mentioned where I've kind of made it a long-term goal to read a lot of those, especially classic fantasy. That's something I'm actually starting on my channel this year. I think I kind of read in the same way that PL mentioned before I would go to the bookstore and pick up a book. So I wasn't really reading stuff before my time. Uh, so classic fantasy, there's kind of a big gap there where I haven't read quite, like I haven't even picked up Gamble before. So there's a lot that I know. <laughs> so there's a lot of holes that I would like to fill. But I would say that my main pressure that I felt was actually being a woman who likes fantasy. Because let me tell you, <laughs> if, if you say you like fantasy, uh, the gatekeeping comes very quickly if you're a woman. So it depends on the space that you're in. And I'm mm. very happy to say that in general, the booktube space that I'm in is not like that. But go to Reddit, go to a bunch of these other places, and you really have to prove your mettle. You know, God forbid you haven't, I haven't read um, Martin. And uh, that is often something that was, how dare you, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I think that I was feeling that pressure when I was in those spaces. But now that I've kind of shifted and found like a better space for myself, I don't feel that external pressure anymore, which has really helped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I've turned it more into a long-term goal that I would like yes, to eventually. No one should feel pressure, should they? To, because reading is, you know, you've got to read things that you want to read. So there's no, yeah, so they're stupid. Screw Reddit. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I think most people, most people are realize that that's a dumb thing to do, but the yeah. ones who don't are loud. That's basically yeah. They yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the original third point is that reading subjective and it's not like a list of you have, you have to have read this and this and so because it's subjective right. because this series is kind of widely loved i mean maybe in some ways it gives more reason to read it because maybe it clicks for more people but it doesn't mean that that's the thing you should read there are so many other books out there which deserve attention don't they and it's about um mm. what draws you what what are you sometimes it's kind of that inexplicable feeling isn't it uh, a bit like what you're saying about the prose, PL, um, where it just clicks with you. You don't know why. Mm. And it's the same with the book as a whole, isn't it? Um, uh, and, yeah, when you're just drawn to it, that's what you should read. Yeah, you've got you to wait belief, till anyway. when you're ready. Because I tried to read Malazan, and I definitely wasn't ready. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm nearly ready. So, you know, and th- like we do a, a book on historical fiction, and there will get lots of people say, oh, but you haven't read, you know, War and Peace or that kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready. I'll read it one day, or I might not. That's okay. So we'll see. Yeah. 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 Let me tell you. I was going to say, yes. just kind of a continuation from this topic is a previous comment that P, uh, that Esme had put up, which was, that was me for the longest time about Hob. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, while Live Ships was amazing for me, it wasn't until the very final trilogy that I actually really got the hype. And what stuck out to this comment in this comment for me, and I want to put to you guys, all three of you, is how much grace will you give a big series that isn't working for you in the beginning? Because we talk about it being subjective or we want to take our time with series, like we just said. But Mm -hmm. we also mentioned it's a commitment. You know, Sanderson is a commitment uh, to read the whole Cosmere. And if it's not working for you, how much grace, how many books do you generally give to a series like that? Like for me, for Hob, I know I'm going to do Farseer. And then Live Ships is the one that really calls to me. So I'm at least going to do the first book, the first one of Live Ships. So that's four books into a world before I'm willing to say not for me. I usually do at least more than two. But I'm curious for you guys. I have friends who are like, mm, no, after one book, that's it. It's just not for me. And that's yeah. just their style. So what, what what's your guys's? how do you do that? I think it fluctuates. I think it depends on kind of what you know about the book. And it, it, say with book one, that if there's certain things that don't click with you, do you know, is that going to carry on with every single book Is this in the series? What do people say? Because um, there's a few series that people say, uh, push through book one. It get, it, I prefer book two and three and four um, and so on. I could have just said every number there. Um, uh, <laughs> so Five, six, I, seven, eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe nine, <laughs> ten, add a push. Um, but I think it's about kind of that gut feeling in a sense, but I always try to at least give um, at least two books before making kind of a judgment. There's a few series where I've read book one, it hasn't clicked and I intend to read more, but um, I've not got to it yet, but it's definitely one that is waiting for me in in the peripheral. Um, So it's not one that I've discarded. I I definitely try and give it a chance. Yeah, I think, I mean, I I actually think I will probably read them all, really. I mean, I know I'm not above, you know, hate reading or anything like that. Um, I, I really didn't like the Witcher series, but I just had to finish it. I read two books and I was like, I'm just going to have to finish it. Uh, you know, lots of people say there's something I can get from this, so I definitely will. And I think I might not read it all, you know, in the next six months, but I'll definitely read it all at some point, you know. there are, and sometimes I know that people say when they read Malice, book one and Faith from the Fallen, sometimes that didn't click with them when they read Valor and they fell in love with it. So I'm hoping that will always happen in the future. So I'll always give 
give a series the benefit of the doubt mm. and just and just keep keep plowing through. And I'm sure at some point it will click with me, mm. especially if there's aspects that you really did enjoy and respect in yeah. book one um, that you think or maybe if this bit that was a bit weaker, maybe that is different in book two, but it yeah. retains those elements that you love. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm finding, though, as well, and and my my and frankly, becoming a writer has changed this in that, you know, I, I, I look at myself and, you know, I, I say, would I want someone to uh, give up on my series after one book when I'm writing a seven book series? I think for a longer series, there's a direct correlation to like the series and how much for me personally, I'm willing to give give some latitude in terms of, you know, if the if it's a seven book series, well, I, I think it's almost unfair to bail, you know, after book one, when you know that, and if you, especially if you hear as, 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 as what I said that it gets stronger with each book. Okay. Well, you know, okay. If there were things I liked, as you pointed out in book one, and I've heard from, you know, the, 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 the vast majority of people say that book two and three is it's better. I, I think one series like that I haven't read yet um, is um, Dresden Files. Everybody uh, I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, if you, Dresden trials, you have to get to book nine or 10 or something like that until it really takes off. Well, for a lot of people, you know, they're not going to read nine or 10 books of a series um, before they, they pull the pull the plug. But however, um, again, you know, this is a, Butcher is, is a fantastic author right here. And, you know, so I, I, I feel that, um, yeah, I would think that I kind of have a three book uh, limit. If I'm reading a book, especially if it's a longer series, um, maybe not so much trilogy, because if it's only a trilogy and you've read two books and they don't really click with you, you know, will you be in for the third book? I'm not I sure, know. but, 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 but I think with a longer series, uh, they're, 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 they're uh, becoming fewer and far between, I think longer fantasy series. I think um, you know, I'm one of the crazy people right now is that actually still writing a, a long one, but, but um, you know, maybe it's part of the whole uh, backlash to, to GRM and, and, you know, series not being finishing and, and, and Rothfuss and things like that. But, but, you know, I think for me, if the series is a longer series, um, I'll give it, you know, at least three books. If it's a trilogy, I'll certainly get through the first book and probably try the second until I make a decision that it's it's not for me. That's pretty solid. This is such a fantasy problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. if you talk to any other genre, they're going to be like, three 1,000-page books? Absolutely not. <laughs> so... Yeah, but but I mean, if you look at a, a series, if you look at um at 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 other speculative fiction uh, works, especially like a mystery thriller, if you work look at the Jack Reacher books, right? I mean, I mean, if if people buy those books because they love predominantly because they love the main character, so the main character is just they could they could read fifty books of Jack Reacher, even though it's somewhat formulaic, you know, he's gonna make it. You know, maybe some some characters you love may or may not might die. It's pretty well tried and true. We know what's going to happen. He's going to beat some people up. Uh, he might, you know, get captured, and but he's going to triumph. But 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 people read thirty, will read thirty, forty Jack Reacher books and love them. Uh, so I know yeah. fantasy, we don't quite have the same 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 uh, same rope. Um, but yeah, I I, no. I I think I think there is a there is a there is a possibility to uh, read a first book not perhaps love everything but see enough to intrigue you to keep you okay you know what i'm i'm going to give this a chance and then if the second book clicks boom you're you're hooked right so. yeah. yeah yeah and i don't feel i give more leeway with a bigger series because it's strange even though series overall perhaps becoming smaller duologies and trilogies are being pushed a lot now if you look at most of the the, the mega series like Malazan, Will Time, Realm of the Eldlings, they um, George R. Martin, of course, as well. 
there's so many books and I think alleged that is, I'm going to say it again, immersion, where the more there is in a world and the books and the characters, the more you can immerse yourself in it. And so there is that potential with a longer series for it to become like a favourite ever. Um, and so, yeah, I think I definitely give more leeway to longer series because of that kind of potential behind there as well. Just want to say, Tiago, our friend oh, Tiago's here. Tiago. Hi, Tiago. Thank How's you, Tiago. Uh, <laughs> current SBFU finalist with a touch of light. Yes. Uh, good luck, good yes. luck, Tiago. Um, so you know, I haven't read Tiago's books yet. Just one of those, one of those books very much on my TBR that I haven't gone to, and probably will be much will be after the contest for various reasons because I'm a judge. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, yeah, there's another another example book that <clears throat> excuse me want to get to, but. Just haven't got there yet. Yeah, so. yeah it's definitely it's the great reviews about that on Goodreads and it's Twitter. Good yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. Yeah. I can't say more because I am officially on the you know teams, but it, it's good stuff. <laughs> I yeah. can say yeah. that. And he's a phenomenal guy. Thiago is a great guy, so I can definitely yes. say that. We had uh, a couple comments on our our previous discussion. Unless I completely hate book one, it's rare I'll completely give up on a series and not read at least two books. Uh, then we also had a Dresden comment or two. Dresden is difficult to recommend for that reason. I enjoyed the books up to 12, but from then on, the books are dynamite. Look, mm -hmm. listen, 12 is a high number. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, Chris, you're asking for a big commitment there. <laughs> 12 books. Uh, and uh, we have PL. I can't believe you just spoiled the entire Jack Reacher series <laughs> for me. <laughs> How dare! <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah and, but I did want to ask um, the brothers. Um, so yeah. obviously, you know, your father is quite a well-known, popular, beloved writer. But how? And perhaps we we understand some of the genesis. But how exactly did you wind up being? You know, getting to book two and becoming such popular booktubers. Like, what was the what, what you know? What were the seeds that that you know that germinated to make this to make the brothers Grimm? Like, like how did it all get going? Being forced to sit down at seven a.m. read a book by ten. <laughs> no, that's not really how it was. But for me, when I was younger, I, I was like a very maths person, and I didn't really read at all. And then when I was, um, I think eight or nine, then Papa Gwyn got his first book deal. Um, and then I think I'm quite weird because I just kind of turned a switch and then I was reading every single day of the week for the next 13 that's years. That's not weird, Will. That's, that's good. <laughs> like and, that. So, yeah, it was weird how it was kind of a switch. And um, Pupquin, we've obviously talked about his characters over the dinner table mm. uh, for so many years. And so, yeah, they, they, weren't they, really, real. they weren't really books to us. They were, it was like friends, you know. We always had, you know, dad always wanted to ask us about what we liked about this book or, you know, and you know we talk about the characters just all the time more than probably is healthy really because they do feel very real to us and and when we wanted to do booktube i we watched a, a discussion about malice faith in the fallen um with philip and, and petrick and a few other booktubers and i just loved watching it so much i was like i would love to do something like that and just talk about dad's books and i kept asking you didn't i, I say can we record some videos and eventually you caved, I caved in <laughs> and, uh, and here we are Wow, that's that's a that's a phenomenal story. What did you find it? Uh, and because you know your your some of your your examples, you're talking about Patrick, Philip Chase, obviously extremely beloved, very well respected booktubers. What was it coming on like coming on booktube for the first time? You don't have any followers really yet. You're kind of shrouding at the void. It's like, hey, we're here. You know, like what 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 was that whole the the, the growing phase like? 
Uh, it was definitely yeah. nepotism, really, wasn't it? It was <laughs> It was because of Dad. We used his name. I always say if I ever had a book and I was published, I would write Edward on the on the on the front cover really really in really small letters and write john gwynn in like huge letters <laughs> so um you know maybe stephen king's son should have done that but i don't know um but yeah so i would that's what i would do and yeah it was definitely it was definitely that that um mm. yeah sparked it wasn't it but then also when we watch our first videos i mean i'm cringing i'm like oh yeah. we're so bad or so you weren't used to the camera it's so mm. kind of like i enjoy you're not alone <laughs> oh man <laughs> Yeah, it's tough watching. <laughs> Learning, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, we were so lucky with you know we got quite a few subscribers just from the first week really, and that was just because you know Dad shared on Twitter and lots of people you know knew we talked to people on Twitter, and I think that's why. And then I I I presume that we've grown because we like to read lots of different books. You know, lots of people say we like historical fiction and that kind of stuff. So, and there's not many historical fiction booktubers out there really. So mm. maybe it's because we got a big mix. And you know, I think us being brothers plays into it. You know, I like to teach yeah. you a lot. And well, we we can cheat so. where we can talk about double the books. Yeah, because there's two of us. So yeah, yeah it, it is cheating. But <laughs> that actually is a question that I had for you guys originally was, is there any, well, of course, benefit, but also maybe hidden difficulty of having a tag team as, you know, a booktube channel? Because I mm. imagine there's a lot to negotiate or, you know, you guys seem to flow very naturally back and forth in, in the in a video. So I imagine you don't have to script it exactly. But is are there any hidden difficulties with having two people manage? Whenever we fight, we have to cut that off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always win, obviously. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's not really too no. many difficulties. I mean, the only the problem is because Will wants to read so many different books, I want to read so many different books. Sometimes we don't get a chance to talk about the same books, and that's what we'd like. We're going to do more of that this year mm. is what we said, isn't it? Um, yeah, and um, I, I think yeah. the main issue is actually scheduling because Ed's very busy, I'm busy, and it's often the times where we're both free. Yeah. Um, it can be hard to kind of fit that into the same time, and that's why um, I've also got a side channel where I'll talk yes. about books that I've not that Ed's it took not you an read. hour to mention. That's pretty good. <laughs> you did mention the first few minutes, <laughs> but it's because Just shout of... it out. Let us know. <laughs> and the, the name isn't as creative as the Brothers Gwyn. It's just. William Gwynn so yeah I kind of gave up on that but um yeah that is because of this scheduling where I have uh, a bit so more free time fault you branched off the blame is completely on it uh, but it's because of, of I have a bit more free time so then I'll do extra videos then um but yeah. then we make sure to kind of if we both read a book the Brothers Gwynn is the priority and we put stuff on there yes, um, it is. and we um we tr we're trying to read more of the same books together yeah. aren't we or recommend yeah. Um, some yeah. books that the other brother must or if I tell read. you to read a book and you read it and you don't love it with your whole being then I'm really upset for a few days you take it yeah. quite personally actually well yeah. they're my friends well yeah okay. it just shakes his head at me you just see the sadness yeah. and then... <laughs> this face comes back right you know yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. well and congratulations on on the new channel I, I that was something I was gonna actually ask you about but you know you you, you beat me to it so um, but yeah, that's Apologies. fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, congratulations. No, not not Taylor. You didn't. You didn't. You oh, didn't scoop okay. me. The man. The man himself uh, talked about his own uh. channel. So that's a good thing. Um, but I was also going to mention congratulations. I believe to both of you because if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't think I'm speaking of turn here because I think you both mentioned it on your channels that uh, both of you are planning to enter the writing 
sphere yourselves that you're you're both working you on you scooped some... me pl oh i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, it's, it's uh, okay. I uh, forgive me. How dare? Well, oh. I actually was inspired earlier, and then now this. <laughs> uh, because Philip had left this comment way earlier in our discussion, which is that you're fellow booktubers and excellent ones at that, but you're also writers. So spill the tea. What's going on? Do you want to kick off first? Because you're a lot further ahead in front of yeah, that Yeah, so I'm in the middle of writing just a fantasy standalone at the moment. And um, yeah, I've, I've always liked writing. I've written quite a few short stories and things like that. But um, uh, yeah, and it's just, this is my kind of big, serious effort, really. I've written a load of rubbish, which I would hate to read now. But it's but, to um, learn from, isn't it? Yeah, and, and Papa Gwyn will sit down with me and we'll go through the chapters and do a bit of editing. And he, he helps out a lot. So that's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of a, a Native American inspired fantasy uh i love if you anyone watching my channel our channel then my channel oh that's a bit oh, rude dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they'll know that i love reading about you know western books and, and native american tribes and stuff like that so yeah that's a big influence and uh and yeah just in the middle of writing i've done about sixty thousand words just editing it now so and then i'll carry on but yeah it's exciting yeah and you love it don't you yeah it's a lot of fun what are you writing Tell uh us. well i think I, i've written quite a lot of short stories as i've kind of grown up entered a few competitions and i've just really enjoyed it really um and so uh i've got pads that i think uh when i was about 10 or 11 i wrote forty thousand words of a book um and then when i handed it to papa Gwyn and ed they're like this is malice <laughs> both different names yeah <laughs> so i was obviously so inspired by papa Gwyn, i'd basically written the same story but different names. <laughs> he was like, this is pr pretty That's good. That's so isn't cute. <laughs> <laughs> Familiar, <laughs> but good. I, I, I wrote that. I think I wrote Aragon, the first few chapters of that. Dad, and I must have been like eight or seven or eight. And dad was like, I've got genius on my hands here. He can he can write. And then he saw Aragon next to the, the computer. So, yeah. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> yeah, Your you cover was blown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, we, we really enjoy writing. I think it's kind of, a byproduct of being in Papa Gwyn's house and he's always talking about how much he enjoys writing and we love to read and you know we'd just love to to write our own stories that people would enjoy so hopefully one day yeah definitely mm. aspiration yeah well I would actually like to throw the a question at you I think that you asked PL earlier which is as writers or aspiring writers are there particular books that you read for uh, you know, to help you with your historical accuracies or that just inspire you, like PL mentioned, uh, a couple authors that make him want to be better. Are there certain series or authors who stick out for you as inspirations in the, yeah, in the writing sphere? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think it depends often on um, kind of what, what you're aiming for, uh, kind of like single POV, multi POV, what kind of themes are you combating with? Um, and that can kind of really come into play. And when I'm in kind of that writing mode of I want to write every second of the day, I gravitate towards those books that um, it's a hard line. Because I remember Papa Gwyn saying that um, it's hard reading whilst you're writing, because if you love a book, you might try and mimic that exact style. And uh, then you realize you've just written Game of Thrones, basically, but not as good. <laughs> um, but so... It is hard in that kind of balance. I think more when I'm in that writing phase, I try and read nonfiction, more kind of research, um, because yes, we, we love some histor historical fiction, those Guilty. historical details. Um, and I I'm so boring, but immersion. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of what we strive for. Um, and as I said, it adds a lot further in kind of that writing process than I am. 
I think um, the books I will, I, I just read anything really. And I am in the habit of making notes on everything I read, you know, just, I might write down a line I really enjoyed or um, when I read Joe Abercrombie, I'll probably be writing chapters that I really enjoyed because I just, I love the way that he writes his prose, the way he manages to find a voice just in a couple of words and the humor he gets in his writing is definitely something I aspire to, mm. to, you know, be inspired by, which is, which is cool. So, yeah. And I think, as a history buff, I, I want to read as much nonfiction or even historical fiction as I can set in that period. So it's all in the details for me. And um, I remember when I started writing, dad was like, you've just written a book on how, you know, you make a sword, basically. You don't need that much detail in that kind of stuff. And I was like, just trying to just trying to learn, you know. So, um, yeah, it's just reading stuff that inspires you. And if you have, you know, a historical inspiration, that really gets me into the mindset. I think if I read, you know, nonfiction or even even just watching TV, really something, you know, something I've been watching lately is a program called The English. Um, it was on BBC, and, and that is very much similar to what I was going for in my book. So it's it's amazing to to see that, and it's I, I've watched it a couple of times now, and it's I just love watching it because of the themes it tackles and the kind of similarities that I would hope to to go for because it's just brilliant. So yeah. Things like that, just try and engorge on as much as you can, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I have so much respect for people who decide to put works out there. Because as an avid reader, I think I have been thoroughly... I, I don't have an... I didn't have an interest in being an author. But even if I did, I would be thoroughly intimidated at this point <laughs> into not putting my work out there. Because I'm like, there's so much good stuff, you know? So I have so much respect for people who decide to put it out there. I know it takes work and practice and draft after draft after draft. So, mm. uh, but I'm not the only one excited. We've got a couple people saying excited to see yeah. your work. Thank you, Andrew. Your humor comes through. In your <laughs> <What am> I? <laughs> Thank you. And the more Gwyn writing out there in the world, the happier I'll be. Thanks, oh, thank you. Legend. Yeah. Uh, one day, one day, hopefully, yeah. And I remember saying when he started writing, he he sat down and he thought, "What do I love to read? What do I love to be in a book?" And that's, and one of the things was kind of the key thing of friendship um, and belonging. Um, and so he said that he, he that's why he put it in his book because you you want to write something that you're passionate about, and that includes the kind of the themes and ideas and uh, inspirations that you've had through your kind of. Uh, reading career <laughs> or hobby well, yeah something that ken lu said we had an interview with ken lu on here and it stuck with me to this day is that every i'm paraphrasing probably what he said because he probably said it in a in a, a better way but basically every author leaves a ghost of themselves in the book that they write which i think is just such a a beautiful way to put that sentiment mm. because everything that you've experienced your interests your joys they do seep into the work i think in a way whether you mean yeah. for them to or not yeah oh, definitely i don't think you could write a book without you know putting your everything into it so you know it, it does become mm. part of you i know that when papa Gwyn talks about the books he's written it does feel like they're a part of him and he's you know he's he's tackling this theme which is really important to him or that kind of thing so yeah it's, it's definitely a big deal to authors as well and i'm sure you can relate as well pl the books that you write you're putting everything that you can into that and everything mm. is a part of you as well so yeah. yeah and especially when it's not a short process is is it it's not like oh it's done in a week um yeah. it's so it takes it must take everything that you love um and you try and put it into your books and obviously mm. Uh, that is a beautiful quote of um, you leave a ghost for yourselves. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I love that. And Ken Lou's a great writer as well. 
Yeah. I am such a fangirl. We had him on here. I so much control. <laughs> it was necessary. For that <laughs> I, I was He's so mad. I was phenomenal. so upset I missed that one. I, I and I haven't read his book. I have them all oh, no, on my no. shelves. I have to I have to get to them still. But he, yeah, and his intellect just oh my gosh, just just mind boggling. The Dandelion Dynasty is incredible. Have you, gentlemen, read the Dandelion Dynasty yet, or is that? Not no, yet. Yet. I've read the, the Paper Menagerie. Yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll get to read that soon. But I love the Paper Menagerie mm -hmm. and that that his short stories. And I've got the Dandelion Dynasty just old camera shot there waiting for me. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to hear your thoughts when you get to it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, Taylor, I to your thought on saying that you know author it will be quite intimidating to release a book because of all the you know there's so much good stuff out there you couldn't help comparing yourself. I saw I like to read Joe Abercrombie's blog and he. He always writes in it. He goes, I've, I've read what I've written so far and I hate every single word. I suck. I'm rubbish. And he, and then he still publishes it and it's a great book. So it's, I think every mm. author goes through that at some point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, personally, I know we all can't wait to read, read your books. Uh, and well, like I'm, I'm so excited to know that, you know, you two are, are working on books now. And uh, frankly, because, you know, you're still young, you're going to have long writing careers ahead of you. So that that's that's a cause for celebration that, you know, the Gwyn name is going to be uh, reaching and expanding in all sorts of different places. I know that um, one of the things that absolutely makes uh, your father one of my favorite writers is the characters. I mean, there's so many great things about, about his books, but I mean, I'm still traumatized over Hunger of the Gods. Like, I still can't, like, and I'm still hopeful. Okay, maybe what I read at the end wasn't really, and I, I know I know you can't spoil it, but I'm just like, I, I sat there holding my head for, oh my God, right? <laughs> Pretty and, 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 and I know that, um, you know, we talked about this earlier, briefly I said, Taylor knows me well, characters, pros, and compelling themes. What is it for you, if you could pick one aspect of a book, Ed and Will, what is it for you that you think really is, is the hook? Whether you're reading, you know, Dan Brown historical fiction, whether you're reading, you know, uh, fantasy, what is it? What is it that that is what's that element that it kind of a must to be there for you to really, really get that enjoyment out of a maximum enjoyment out of a book? Well, I think after joining there, it's the characters because if I love a cast of characters or just a single character, I could read a book of them just like making tea all day and just eating biscuits, and and that is the hope because you're in their minds and. Uh, following their their life and I think that is whilst uh, um, it may not be integral to every single book but some authors may focus on other things I think that is something where if the character works there I'm in no matter mm. anything else that's going in the story you can forgive other things um, uh, but the characters are really the hook for me and I think that's also uh, the thing that when I reflect on books that I've read I initially think of the characters first and foremost and so it's even more important in that sense as well of kind of how I uh, look back on those reads uh, years past. And so, yeah, characters definitely, I'd say, are the main thing. Yeah, characters stick out the most. And uh, after reading, you know, grimdark fantasy, I'm I'm realising that I don't have to love a character to really want to read that series. As long as someone's got mm. a new voice, something to add to the genre, there's a bit of intrigue there that, you know, or fascination like you know, no one really likes Glockta, but you can't help but be behind. I love you know, Glockta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, for reasons you do actually love him as a character. He's he's a, you know genius, and 
and it's people like that characters like that which you know i really love so when i read that's what i definitely look for mm. yeah because there's not very many happy books out there no. so we kind of subject ourselves to torture and trauma don't we yeah. in reading these books but um it's about following those characters and a lot of them is loving to hate them isn't it yeah yeah is it yes the same for you, loving that they challenge you yes yeah i'm mm. a unashamedly a character-based reader you'll hear, you'll hear me say it in pretty much every review so mentioning that i think is helpful because if someone else isn't a character-based reader then maybe they'll realize mm. maybe this book isn't for them just you know abercrombie is one that before i even picked up the blade itself everyone was like that book is plot where so just be ready for it you know like it does not exist <laughs> it's characters so knowing that really helps especially if you're a character-based reader but i also really like when characters challenge me you know pl's book uh it's from a first person perspective from a very unlikable character <laughs> yeah and you're definitely not supposed to feel for him in the beginning right and um he works with those themes a lot so um i think that i agree completely with you guys that it doesn't have to be a likable character but it has to be a character that mm. grips you right yeah yeah definitely um, well with characters just looking at kind of the human condition isn't it what drives us what motivates us and perspective as well and sometimes it's really interesting to follow a character who they can be abominable and they can have very different perspectives. And um, so I've read uh, A Clockwork Orange, Anthony Burgess. And the so I think the main character inspired um, Jorg in... Um, yes, Broken Empire, yes. yes. Yeah, but, and so you hate him, you, but he's so charismatic that he is yeah. entertaining. It feels like horrible to say, but entertaining to follow. Mm. And it makes it a book that just stands out in the memory because the character is so vivid and real and like a hor so horribly so. Yeah, I have to agree. You know, Jorg, Jorg is is a character that I mean, he's a psychopath, right? Uh, for for all intents and purposes, but you can't look away from from, and he is so charismatic, and he's also you know tortured the trauma he's gone through. That you know, in some ways, there is there always will be that that empathy for him because you know you know a bit of as his background gets revealed, you know, and I, I think that's a masterclass work when you can write a character that is unlikable and and I'm no Mark Lawrence, but I'm just saying when you can write a character that's unlikable, but people are still drawn to them and that they they just can't help keep reading. If nothing else to see the train wreck, right? You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't look away. Um, you know, but but I think that that is a, a real gift of, of of writers to do that. And and one thing I love for example about about your father's work, especially um uh the Bloodshorn um is that you know he has uh, uh, you know quite a few POV characters. One of them is unlikable, funny as hell. Uh, you know, really the comic relief, I think, especially in the second in in Hunger of the Gods. But but you know you you end up caring about them. You know, like you don't you don't want them to die because you know you want to keep amusing you and you want you want to see just how despicable we would be, just how cowardly will he be. You know, like like those are all things that I think and and that that's a gift, that's a skill. Of a writer and writing a character that isn't necessarily one that you're going to root for or right because they're so noble and gracious and lovely but but they're 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 interesting enough that yet you really want to keep reading that's definitely something that that um you know your father established in i feel the bus switch and then in his previous trilogies i mean i mean you know john gwynn is one of those writers where he will just wreck you and ruin you and leave you a puddle, a puddle of ooze you know, on the table after after some of his characters. You know, some of those character deaths, uh, you know, I just, I, I still think, I, I'll never stop thinking about them, right? Um, he's done everything from turn 
you know, friends to lovers to enemies to like the things that 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 he's done are just it makes him an I- iconic writer and you know and definitely yeah. So he's characters, not, is, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. characters well, and the POV you're talking about in Hunger the Gods and we learned early on in Papa Gwyn's career. So he'd written Manos and he uh, sat down. And he was going to write Valor and he said, "Who are your favorite characters?" He and we said our favorite characters and then a few months later he gave us Valor and. Those characters died at the end of Valor. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, what? We thought you would keep them safe for us. Um, and so every book since then, we've when he's asked us, we've thought, who do we want to die? So we just um, right. And then he's, he's yeah. kind of caught on. So now he's like, I don't think they're being honest yeah. with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've learned to be guarded with our favorite characters now. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I think it, it links back to being character-driven, isn't it, about... When you feel that attachment, mm. even when you hate the characters, you're still attached to them uh, because they're engaging to follow. And often you don't realize that until they're put in danger. And when a writer can make their characters, when you feel, oh, they could actually die here, um, that is a thing where it provokes uh, so much emotion, um, even for characters you really don't like. I mean, I hadn't watched or read A Song of Ice and Fire until mid last year. And so I've watched season one and two uh, and I've read three of the books now. And one of the things is there's not very many nice people in A Song of Ice and Fire, but there's not so even many... a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but there's so many characters that you want to survive and carry on through the books because they are so engaging to follow. And perspectives, even if you just completely disagree with their rationality and their decisions, they're still just so entertaining to kind of engage with. Yeah, but it's wonderful when um, you have the the John Gwynns and the GRMs who have zero compunction in in eliminating your favorite character. You know, it, it's just that 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 like you said that that feeling of you know um, total insecurity that you know who you love may die in the next chapter and you don't know, right? And, and I think that 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 in itself it really really builds tension and makes books really special when when no one is safe and 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 it's very much like real life. Especially as you know, and you know, I mean, in anything that's analogous to a medieval context, where you know, um, you know, I, I always, I always draw the similarities, uh, you know, which I'm sure I, I haven't even read, read that far into the background work in the, the in terms of the War of the Roses, in terms of what the direct characters that Martin, uh, you know, I assume that that Ed Stark was somewhat analogous to Richard, Richard Plantagenet, Duke of York, you know, especially in terms of his arc. But you know, like it, it's when you know that that character. You know, um, the character that you love may not make it to the next chapter. It just makes the book that much more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the special, right? So, um, and I'm hopeful, ba- based on everything that we're learning about you, that your works will be equally uh, character-driven and and give us that sense of, you know, falling in love with characters that we will cry when, if and when <laughs> they don't they don't make it through through the next chapter. So we're, we'll definitely try our best to make people yeah. cry. <laughs> Papa Gwyn does, uh, he does call me very Disney. So maybe it'll be have a happy ending. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a perfect time to put Tiago's comment up, which is no one wants to read about happiness. He said he wants to read books uh. where people don't die. You know, you want the tension, to be high, <laughs> the stakes to be high. So <laughs> without that. So, yeah. <laughs> I think it links a bit, we were talking a lot about kind of historical inspiration earlier, weren't we? And it links back, when you look at historical events and periods, so many of the key players in conflicts, they don't all somehow manage to survive and reach a final huge culmination. 
most of them just die of disease, just random things that a lot of we don't actually know how they yeah. died. And so it's often just who can survive the longest instead of who can win. Um, and they're the victor just if they can manage to weave their way through these events and emerge at the end of life. Um, and so when that's presented in kind of fantasy, um, I think it's awesome because, as I said earlier, there's such a range to fantasy where it's it's not necessary for an amazing book, but it's another layer you can add, which I think that can really elevate it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I agree with pretty much what everyone is saying, that stakes are important and knowing that characters won't actually won't make it is really important for pulling you in. But, you know, we've had Travis Baldry on the show as well. And Legends and Lattes, you know, cozy fantasy is really taking off. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. interesting to see. There's a space for both, I think, yeah. out there. Yeah. So, like, after you finish the end of The Hunger of the Gods, for example, you might be like, I, I, need, a, I need a minute. <laughs> I need to read about some coffee and some scones, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. I think those, yeah, we those need really a Legends and Lattes straight yeah. after that. <laughs> We definitely did. <laughs> and I, love, I love the way that fantasy is going, like the direction it's going in now in, in terms of there is so many different types of fantasy out there now. And it's never, you know, it, we are definitely in a golden age of fantasy. I don't think the, the, the scope has ever been such a wide range of different books, you know, different authors from different backgrounds. And I just love reading about, you know, for all, everything. Like I read a book called Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse and, um, the yep. setting is a Mesoamerica um, fantastical setting, and it's just breathtakingly fresh. And it's just, and I just mm. love that fantasy mm. nowadays, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and the exploration of there's many different types of conflicts, aren't there? Like in Legends and Lattes, I was just begging for this coffee shop to work. I was like, "Come on, please yeah. let customers walk through the door," which I never right. in a fantasy book, but it's kind of. It's genius, really, taking that kind of conflict. And it's not about, oh, is this character going to survive? It's about, is this business going to run? Um, and it is, it's, I think it's quite integral in a book to have a conflict, whatever it is, um, and to have that kind of resonating with the readers that they engage with. And it doesn't just have to be a huge battle. At times it can be. But it's a balance, isn't it? Where um, I think in all books, even books that are largely based on kind of that military action, you need those slower moments, don't you, where you're engaged with the characters and you have those uh, conflict of relationships as well. Mm -hmm. It comes back to exactly what we were all saying is we're all character based readers. So what does, you know, what do these epic fantasies, military fantasies and legends and lattes have in common? You care about the characters and you want them to succeed, whether it's living or dying or getting someone to buy some damn coffee. Right. (laughs) So... I mean, and, and reading Legend and Lattes, I was thinking, I need one of these coffees because they love them. And uh, I just, I need one of them. I need those ingredients. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faye had a comment here. The fact that we're getting different mythologies and cultures to inspire a fantasy, the fact that we have grimdark and cozy fantasy running parallel in popularity and a peak in historical fantasy. Yes. Mm. All of that at once. It's just, it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. And I think, Historical fantasy seems to be even more on the rise, isn't it? Uh, like last year with the Children of Gods and Fudgemen, this year the Judas Blossom by Stephen Ryan coming out. And it seems there's going to be more and more, which is uh, a huge plus for us, and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, another one I have to get to uh, Stephen Ryan, who's been on the channel. Great, fantastic, fantastic writer that I, I I'm still I have I've read The Coward, I have The Warrior on my shelf, still haven't gotten to it. And, you know, <laughs> it's one of those one of those okay, you know. Um, but yeah, and it, it does it does seem 
you know, as, as much as, you know, we, we see all these things about, you know, AI taking over writing and, and, and all these trends, it does very much feel, and I don't know if you all feel the same, that we are in somewhat a golden age of, of fantasy and sci-fi and writing. It just, it does seem like it's almost like a, a mini renaissance of, 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 you know, these genres and, and, and especially with the, the, like I said before, the proliferation of self-published fantasy, really adding another dimension to, you know, um, the traditional works and really complement them, complementing each other. And now, you know, again, with BookTube, you know, you, you see a lot of the, the, the popular booktubes, including yourself, you, you hold up a traditionally published book and here's a self-published book and, you know, you know, and, and, and who can tell the difference and they're both books and they're both great. They're published in different uh, venues, but um, through different means, but it's, 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 there are so many great books period out there. And that is, that is absolutely wonderful for all of us who love to, to write and who love to read. So that's a good thing. Most definitely. Yeah, definitely. And Ian, you've still got classic inspired fantasy like Ryan Cahill, who's also self-pubbed and it's just fantastic. And we de I definitely agree, Pierre, we're, we're in a golden age and there's just mm. so much to love out there. So if you don't enjoy one type of fantasy, go try another and you still yeah. will enjoy fantasy as a genre. And I think there's a lot more respect for fantasy now. Obviously, I'm a younger reader, but um, obviously uh, I feel like fantasy struggled with having respect over the decades. Uh, but recently it feels like there's been a big change in that. Um, and I think a big part of it is kind of that people understanding how broad fantasy is. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I don't want to keep you guys for too long. These always go so fast. It's we're coming up on an hour and a half here. But oh, wow. I always have. Yeah, I know. Right. Time flies when you're having fun. Exactly. But I always, I always like to ask one final question of our guests when um, they're on my channel. And I, I'm obsessed with mythologies, origin stories, that kind of genre of work. And it makes me interested in that in people's lives as well. So I always like to ask people that we have on, is there any story that you think made you the reader or the writer that you are today? Now, when I say story, it doesn't have to be a book. It could be a video game that you enjoyed when you were younger. Uh, it could be a movie that you watched, a TV show, a comic book, any kind of story that you think, besides Papa Gwyn's books, <laughs> that inspired you and kind of put you on the track to be the story lover that you are today. Oh, that's so hard, isn't it? About kind question. of those formative reads. Yeah. Um, of course, it would be cheating to just say Papa Gwyn. Um, that is a huge part. <laughs> but I think um, it's hard. I think we've always been lovers of mythology, so that's a big part. But I'd say. Um, so hard to get it down to one, isn't it? I think Lord of the Rings, of course, it's a lot of people say it, but it's because it's true that Lord <clears throat> of the Rings really resonated yeah. the films and the books as well. Um, that's just actually enraptured me from when I was five or six. I think I was two days old when I was um, in the cinema watching Two Towers. I don't yeah. remember it, but um, I was there. It's good. It was, it was good. the first film I watched. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think it's been with me since then. And Lord of the Rings is integral to kind of the reading experience for me. Yeah, I think the Fellowship of the Ring, the film for me was just came at a time in my life where it just I was obsessed with it. And when I say obsessed, I mean, I was ridiculously obsessed and uh, I love Slice of Life and Sitting in the Shire would just be my absolute dream. So that was probably the biggest influence on me as a child. And I would also say 
um, the Book of Three by Lloyd Alexander, that, that series, The Black Cauldron. Mm. It's a Welsh-inspired mythological fantasy with lots of similarities to Lord of the Rings. There's a kind of a weird, you know, goblin-y creature called Gurgi, but he's got <laughs> hair. There's a magic pig and there's and characters, characters to root for. And as a, as a young boy, I loved any kind of coming-of-age fantasy where you could be the hero of your own story. And, mm. and I still will love that today because... I'm very impressionable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's interesting drawing parallels, isn't it? Where we're still in it. That's still the things that we love coming of age stories, yeah. character driven. But um, so the core kind of stays the same, I think, in a lot of ways. But then you kind of explore in others. Yeah, wonderful. Lord Alexander, Crawl's the Pre, wonderful, beautiful book, The Black Cauldron. That's that's yeah. great yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. so yeah, Lord Alexander, just so underrated. I'd love to yes. do a reboot of that soon. Yeah. yeah. Looks like I have another one to add to my classic fantasy TBR. <laughs> but you get, you're not alone in your Lord of the Rings obsession. I wanted to be Legolas. I was going to be Legolas. I was, I was determined. So <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> I always wanted to be Frodo. And, um, and Dad even wrote, wrote me a message um, from Gandalf pretending I was Frodo. Oh, and he gave me a ring. And yeah, I just. That I is so it. precious. Yeah, yeah that, that touched that a while. That, that touched it. <laughs> He even got me the one ring once, but we had um, a decking put in the garden and it fell down the cracks. Oh, so I could never no. <laughs> anymore. But maybe maybe I'll get it back. Maybe in a thousand years someone will find yeah, it. Yeah, someone will grab it, right? <laughs> yeah, the story sure begins again. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. Yes. This was delightful. Uh, but before we go, if someone wasn't here before or if they live under a rock on BookTube and they haven't heard of you, <laughs> uh, if you could mind, if you wouldn't mind telling people where they can find you, where they can look maybe for your books in the future, if you got any ideas for that, just where people can look to see your stuff. So we've got a channel called The Brothers Gwyn and I've got mine and my own William Gwyn, but The Brothers Gwyn is far more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we're both on Twitter under our names, William Gwyn and Edward Gwyn. Um, I'm on Instagram as well under the Wolf and Crow and then we've both got a Goodreads page under our name so we're all over anywhere you can talk books other than Reddit that boggles me <laughs> I do not understand Reddit yeah. uh, but everything else we're, we're on there aren't we yeah we'll be there and we'll see you in the comments of all the different booktubers as well wonderful and what about you PL where can people find you my co-host uh, Tim, you can find me beside you and Steve on Page Chewing, our wonderful feature where we interview fantastic creatives like like Ed and Will. Um, you can find me Before We Go Blog. Again, shout out to Beth Tabler, where I'm um, assistant editor Before We Go Blog. So my reviews, good reads, of course. For the books, uh, The John Kingdom Saga, www.plstore.com. Uh, two books out, A John Kingdom and The Last of the Atalanteans. And book three, Lord and King, will be premiering in sometime in the next couple months. Um you know, my preferred social media platform is Twitter. I'm definitely a Twitter lurker, not just a lurker. I'm out there on Twitter. Uh, so <laughs> anything book related, business related, DM me. My DMs are open. I love engaging with people, talking about books, fantasy, literature. Um, and that's at PL Stewart Writes. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but really Twitter is where the best place to get a hold. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, Steve is not with us today. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you, you go for it, Taylor. Oh, okay. Uh, Steve is not with us today, but you can find him over on Steve Talks Books and Movies. He also has a movie channel now. Uh, but if you are somehow watching this and you don't know who I am, I'm Taylor. <laughs> this is my channel, Made Between the Pages. You can find me here uh, on Steve's channel whenever we do page chewing over there. Page chewing Friday Conversations as well, which is much more casual, 
People often have drinks in their hands. It's a hoot. Uh, so that is also available. Uh, you can find me there. You can also find me on Twitter. My handle is always in the comments or the description, not the comments, the description box of all of the videos. And that's mostly where I talk about books. Goodreads as well. You can find me there. And before we go blog. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you everyone for coming by in the comments and everyone who's here live now or watching afterwards. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, a great big thank you to the Brothers Gwyn, Ed and Will for joining us. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah. Thank you, Pierre. It's been an absolute highlight of our year so far on BookTube. So thank you so much. We've absolutely loved mm. it. And we'd love to have you guys on our channel in the future oh. as well. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, consider it done. We would love to. We would love to. We'd be so honored. Thank you. And, and Steve thank can come you. next time if he wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, no, find we him. we'll allow it. We'll <laughs> allow it. This one's good. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having us on here. It's been so much fun talking about books and I've loved these questions. And uh, it's thought-provoking as well, kind of thinking about this, what drives us to read um, and what we love about reading. That's what it all boils down to, isn't it? Yeah. And thank you to everyone who was commenting and watching today. It's been, it's been a lot of fun and thank you for the comments. Yes, 100%. The chat makes it 10 times better. So, all right. Well, we're going to sign off for now, but we'll see everyone on the screen soon. But thanks for coming by, everyone. See you. Bye. Bye.